Spring is in the air. And when it comes to Michigan State, that means spring football. It's time to turn the page to another season, Spartan Nation. Basketball is in the rear view, which means Mel Tucker and the Spartans are back in the spotlight as they work their way through spring practice in preparation for a huge 2023 season. On episode 108 of MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast, we will take a closer look at some of the early storylines we will be tracking throughout the spring, summer, and fall. I'm Braden Champion here with Matt Wenzel on Thursday, April 6th, 2023. And Matt, the birds are chirping. It's Tigers opening day. I got the Masters on my TV. Uh, all we need is some warmer weather now. It was. Uh, it got up to a little over 70, I believe, uh, late afternoon here in Lansing yesterday. And uh, of course, this morning it was in the 30s. So, you know, go figure. But uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it, we could use some warm weather, but uh, it, it looks like it's coming soon. So maybe in time for, uh, I, I don't know, you can even call it the spring game anymore. Uh, the spring. Barton foot up all kickoff, I believe is the, is the new name for it. So whatever the hell that is, uh, that'll be April 15th and hopefully we get nice weather for, uh, well, whoever shows up the fans. Yeah. I got that email and I was like, this is kind of an ominous sign for, uh, us getting a legitimate game this year that they won't even call it the spring football game. It's the, the spring kickoff. I'm like, is there going to be barbecue? Is there going to be big inflatable floaties we can hang out into? You know, it's like, like, what is this? Can we just get a spring game? Like, is that really so much to ask for, Matt? Yeah, I think they backed off. I'm trying to remember now. My memory's terrible. Obviously, they haven't had a real spring game since 2019, so I haven't done one since Mel took over. Um, I think it was last year where they backed off using the word spring game at one point and just calling it open practice. I don't know. I go back and forth. That. It's a public glimpse at the team. I, yeah, I wouldn't expect to see a real spring game. You know, there was no spring practice at all in 2021. They were really shorthanded at, uh, was it, linebacker and corner. And then last year they didn't have any offensive linemen. So totally understandable the last two two years why there was no official spring, like green versus white. Um, but we'll see. Nothing, nothing official yet, but we should talk to Mel, uh, I think, Monday and uh, – sure that question will be posed again please in all your stories refer to it as the spring spartan kickoff presented by rocket mortgage yeah, just the, the whole thing <laughs> don't think i'll be doing that but uh <laughs> all right well let's get to it uh as i mentioned we're gonna get into some spring football matt's been to uh, a few brief glimpses of practice he's talked to players and coaches throughout the spring we were really focused on michigan state basketball obviously uh throughout march as they made their run to the sweet 16 but now, as I said, it's season four of that live Spartan Confidential podcast. We're going to turn the page, take a brief look at some of the storylines we're tracking throughout the spring uh, at spring practice. Obviously, we'll have lots of time to talk about this in preview position groups in the summer and, and get ready for fall camp. But this is sort of a, dipping our toes in the water, taking a look at this version of the Spartans and what kind of team they might have coming up this year. Obviously, Michigan State, before we get into the team itself, Matt, is coming off a disappointing season when they failed to make a bowl game. That was obviously on the heels of an 11-2 and two season when they sort of came out of nowhere to win a New Year's Six Bowl led by Kenneth Walker. Um, so I don't know if you've spent enough time around the team to know for sure, Matt, but how does how, do, how is it different approaching a season when you're coming off 11 wins in a New Year's Six Bowl win and coming into a spring where you didn't even make a bowl game? Yeah, well, I mean, I, you go back to this point last year and, you know, the message that, that Mel – was basically delivering you know coming off that great season was so what it wasn't good enough 
well, <laughs> we all with that you could have said that was a little bit of a harsh way to look at you know the season given the way it went with 11 wins, top 10 ranking. Um, but now we obviously know last season it was not good enough. So the message is similar in, in, in but I mean, obviously different um, circumstances. And I think when we talked to Mel right before spring practice started, he, he gave a line about something. Sometimes you got to get kicked in the face, um, something to that effect before, you know, you can move forward. So, I mean, from talking to players, you know, nobody was saying they went into last season, you know, oh, we're high and mighty and, and we're just going to roll or anything like that. But I think it was Trey Mosley, uh, senior receiver, and said that, you know, sometimes, you know, in success, you get there's some complacency. So, you know, maybe there was some of that there last year. I don't know that that was really the case. I think. You know, they just, well, you had some problems um, and they were complicated uh, by injuries, by suspensions. And, and you know, it's kind of snowballed a little bit on that midseason. So was that a, should they have gone to a bowl game? Absolutely. They should have beat Indiana. That was an embarrassing loss. But really in there, I mean, the four game losing streak, everything else was, you know, double digit loss. So that was a six win team probably. I know I don't think the record was really that misleading. I don't know that, you know, even with all the the health problems they had, I'm not I'm not sure you really win any other games other than Indiana. So, um yeah, it just wasn't a good season. I don't, I don't come back to earth type of, you know, situation where, you know, they they need to find some stability, um some consistency, you know, that was obviously a problem in the first year and we all know there's plenty of reasons for for that with no practice and all that when our new staff so there was inconsistency that season you had a good year and now you're you know so losing record 11 and 2 losing record uh you need to balance that out a little bit so um they'll obviously be looking to to shore some things up and and try to get back closer to 2021 uh than than last year which uh you know did not come anywhere close to meeting expectations so uh, yeah, I think that's the the big picture. You know, what are we going to get out of this? You know, they're um, obviously Mel draws a lot of attention for his contract, and 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 you know that is a big dollar figure. But you know that's a, kind of a different topic. But expectations are high when you do something like that, and they weren't met last year. Yeah, I mean, making a bowl, making a bowl for this program for the kind of talent they're bringing in and the kind of talent they can attract should not be an unrealistic goal. I mean, you should be you should be expecting to make a bowl game every year, and to not make a bowl game was a was a huge failure last year. I was at the Indiana game. I, last year at Spartan Stadium, there was a lot of depressing moments, Matt, but I'm not sure any of them topped when Indiana came back and and they blew their chances at a bowl, knowing that the, it was going to be a tall task to go to Penn State and win, but. In terms of the actual team, like, yeah, I think you're right. They were about what their record were. They weren't talented enough last year. I think coming into last year, Matt, we might have undersold how valuable those veteran D'Antonio guys were to that 21 team. I mean, we we spent a lot of time talking about Kenneth Walker. Uh, but, you know, Hayward, guys on the line. Um, I'm forgetting some other guys on defense. Naylor, Jalen Naylor. I mean, those guys really, I think, made a bigger impact than we, we gave them credit for uh, coming into last year. And, you know, the team just needed a talent upgrade. They've gotten back-to-back classes now where they have gotten that. So I think it's reasonable to expect Michigan State to make a bowl and have a better season than they did last year. Whether that happens, it's another tough schedule. We'll get into that later in the year. Um, but, you know, it remains to be seen. But for right now, let's just look at spring practice. Let's look at some of the storylines we're tracking. Uh, it's going to start with the quarterback position, Matt. The the team, you know, Mel Tucker's openly said this is an open competition. 
Peyton Thorne has been your starter the last two years, had a great year two years ago uh, with Kenneth Walker standing behind him. Not so much last year. Um, what just, um, what was he? Uh, 2,679 yards last year, 19 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, completing about 63% of his passes. So not like terrible, but way too many turnovers for a veteran quarterback. And that's opened the door for uh, Noah Kim, who's been in the program for a while now, and also talented uh, second-year player, Caden Hauser, to enter the, the quarterback competition. But you've said before you believe this is a legitimate competition. Uh, you know, how do you, how do you stack things up right now? Well, I mean, I think you, you go into it with knowing that there's the obvious advantage that Peyton Thorne has in, from his experience. I mean, at this point last year, he was the only quarterback on the roster who had even taken a snap in the game. That's not the case anymore. Um, obviously, we saw Noah Kim in some backup duty and, and he looked good and, and um, Kaden Hauser got in for one game. But yeah, I mean, it has to be an open competition. There's for a number of reasons. I mean, Peyton Thorne will admit he did not play good enough. <laughs> Last year, he knows it, you know, I mean, some of the criticism, I think, would maybe be a little undeserved, you know, that, that's just the nature of when you're a quarterback and he gets that, you know, this, you know, we all know about his background, you know, his dad being a quarterback, being a coach and, and all that. So this is, he, he knows where he's at and he knows the situation um, and he knows that, you know, he has to prove himself again. So, you know, we're not, we, we see brief glimpses at practice, but, you know, we're not watching live, you know, 11 on 11 stuff. They, they don't let us see that. So what exactly that looked like with their first scrimmage, you know, that's up to what the coaches are telling us and what the players are telling us. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's his job to lose, but he's got to, but he's got to win it obviously again, like he did uh, two years ago when he beat out um, Anthony Russo, who I think going into that, you kind of thought, well, here comes a guy that, you know, he's grad transfer. He's got all this experience. He's got the leg up and then, and then Peyton Thorne beat him out. Um, and, and that could be the, you know, the flip of it this year. Um, so He's no stranger to these competitions. He's lost one. He's won one. And now he's in another one again. And and we'll see, you know, what he can do in a year where he knows he needs to prove himself with, you know, a couple of guys behind him that are, that are getting legitimate look and they should be because um, you need that, the quarterback play to be better. Um, and we'll see. So, yeah, I mean, Noah Kim, you know, he, what did he get in like four games last year, three touchdown passes, no interceptions. You know, he filled in a couple of times where, Peyton left banged up and, and, you know, injuries were a factor for him last year, even though, you know, he, he said he wouldn't use an excuse, but he, and this is Kim's fourth year in the program. So he's been there. Um, you know, he was actually, you know, he's been there since day one for this staff, I guess you'd say. Um, and then Caden Hauser, you know, we all know he's, he's the highest ranked quarterback uh, Michigan state signed in almost a decade. Um, but the caution with the ranking stuff, uh, the highest ranked since uh, Damian Terry, I believe. So, um yeah we don't know we we've saw we saw him in the season opener last year and he took I think six snaps um so what what kind of development we've seen I don't know but um they they had their first spring scrimmage it was about two weeks ago now um obviously closed to the public and media but uh Jay Johnson we talked to him a couple of days after that and and he had said he thought he saw Caden Hauser take a, you know a big step in that first scrimmage so I don't know, read between the lines, what, what, what you're going to see there, but um, it'll be interesting, you know, how long, and, and Jay had also said no timeline in making your decision, which is, so I wouldn't expect anything soon. You know, you, you go back to um, the first two seasons where um, Mel was here. And I, I, I think the Rocky, the Rocky year, the first year, I don't think he was, 
trying to remember. I, I, maybe I'm forgetting, but I don't think he was announced as the starter until he came out um, for that uh, memorable uh, Rutgers game, the debut of the year. And then obviously the following year, you know, after Rocky uh, had left, it was right up till game time at Northwestern. And, you know, it was announced that Peyton had won the job um, and, and beat out Russo. So I don't know that you can expect a decision to come this spring. I sh- certainly wouldn't. And I think they're, you know, for, and for their purposes, you're going to want to keep the competition going. You know, we all know in this era with the transfer portal, you know, not like I'm speculating if somebody's leaving, but you know, there's only one guy who gets, who's the starter. And and so guys want to play and that's just the nature of it. So if you were to declare the competition over in whatever fashion at the end of spring, I mean, you're going to, you're going to lose somebody to the portal. That's just the way it is. I, I think. Um, so yeah, I would expect this to drag into the fall. Um, who's going to win it? I don't know. But, uh, you know, you had a, you Peyton's experience. And then, you know, if if some, you know, if Kim could beat him out, I mean, I can't call him a young guy anymore because it is you know, going to be his fourth year or, you know, or Hauser. If you were to turn the keys over to a young guy, that would really, you know, be a be a change. Um, so we'll see. <laughs> Internally, they'll probably know two, three weeks before the Central Michigan game. But I agree with you. We're not going to know until – we see who rocks out there against Central Michigan in early September. Uh, the way I look at it and the way that I think Mel needs to look at it, first of all, I do believe it's legitimate converse, uh, competition. Mel's, you mentioned his contract. You mentioned the year they had last year. There's way too much at stake for him not to play the best guy. So I believe that he will play the best guy regardless of class. To me, it's the question is who's going to give you the highest ceiling? Who's going to mm-hmm. give you the highest upside? Because, yeah, Peyton Thorne right now, it's probably safe to say he's, he's, he gives you the, the best floor of the quarterbacks. You know, he's not going to go out there and be completely overwhelmed over his head. He's going to be able to make some throws. He's going to be able to make some plays, but is his ceiling seven and five or six and six, you know, does Caden Hauser, for example, with his, with his projected upside, allow you to jump and win those next couple tier games just because of his pure athleticism. You know, these are just questions, speculation, but I think that's what they need to be looking at. We're not looking for the safe guy at this point. Michigan state should be looking for the quarterback that can elevate the whole team and the quarterback that's going to lead them into the future. So if that's not Peyton Thorne, we've seen a lot of ups and downs with them through the years, then the younger guy should play. If they're about even, I think the younger guy should play. There's no point throwing Peyton Thorne out there. Um, So to me, that's what it's all about. But then again, it's going to be on those younger guys to prove that they're ready to play. You know, you can't just throw someone out there based 100% on speculation or potential. They have to prove that they are just as capable as, you know, the veteran guy. So I think it'll work itself out, but I do believe that there is a, you know, a, a, a fairly likely chance that Peyton Thorne isn't the starter in game one, or at least maybe we, maybe we see multiple quarterbacks for central, you know, we haven't seen that from Mel in the past, but you know, Central Michigan, Richmond, you get a couple warm-up games there at home. We might see multiple guys. Uh, we'll see. We can talk about that more. But quarterback will obviously be be what one to watch because, um, you know, it starts there. <laughs> and uh, Peyton Thorne has, has yet to prove that he can sort of be the focal point of the offense. We talked going into last year that he would need to elevate his game for Michigan State to make up for the loss of Kenneth Walker, and that didn't happen. So uh, you can't say that he hasn't gotten a fair shake. So it'll be interesting to track. Uh, and hopefully we'll get a look there at the spring game, at least how the guys look. Uh, let's move on to the running game, Matt. This is something that was absolutely brutal last year. Uh, last year, we spent all offseason talking about, will it be Jalen Berger? Will it be Elijah Collins? Will it be Jarek Broussard? It ended up being a little bit of all of them. Uh, Jalen Berger was their leading rusher, 683 yards. 
I'm actually surprised to see he averaged 4.6 yards per carry, but that's probably boosted by uh, one or two big games, probably against Youngstown. I think he had a pretty big game and against Western because overall the running game was just not good enough. And we've said it time and time again on this podcast, Matt, Michigan State's offense goes as its running game goes. Yeah, I mean, we we were talking with Chris Kapilovic on Tuesday, I believe. Um, and, you know, he was obviously asked about that. And so it's easy to, to point to the loss of Kenneth Walker and say that's the reason. Um, and, I mean, let's be honest. You, we knew going in you were, you were not going to replace him. Um, you know, that wasn't going to be possible. But um, it was a little surprising to see how, how much their run game um, – regressed you know well 113 yards per game uh which was i believe the second lowest total since like 2003 with 2020 also they had some bad years remember the 2020 (laughs) season where they didn't have a single rushing touchdown from their running backs that was uh wow and you um yeah and kapilovic had said you know when things go wrong the offensive line is going to take the blame and he gets it, but you know, points to, there are a lot of reasons and he's right. You know, when you, when you get behind big early in games, the run game doesn't, I mean, it's just not there. You got to throw. And so they threw the ball a lot. They had the fewest rushing attempts um, in the big 10, you know, the, the average yards per carry from like Berger or Collins or whatever, they were okay. You know, and, and Kapilovic pointed out they had fewer sacks allowed and fewer tackles for a loss allowed um, last year than in 2021 although I believe the sacks per game went up if I'm remembering that correctly but either way basically he's saying it wasn't just on us you know the quarterback has to get you in the right play the running back has to hit the right hole and you know and then the offensive line has to do its job too so and then with you know trailing that was part of it as well so he thinks they're going to be in a lot better position um with the run game this fall we'll see um but you know there was Obviously more turnover. So Elijah Collins transfers to Oklahoma State. Um, Broussard declares for the draft. Uh, And then, you know, for the third straight year, there are two new transfer running backs coming in. So you get Nate Carter from UConn and Jaron Mangum from South Florida and formerly of Colorado. And they bring different skill sets. I think, you know, Carter, they've been talking about as being a guy who can be explosive, Um, you know, you know, be the the home run guy that they clearly lacked without Kenneth Walker last year. I mean, they didn't just no explosiveness in the run game, really. Um, and then Mangum being a bigger back, you know, he's a guy that I, you know, that they don't really felt like they've had other than Hayward, who was never really, you know, a traditional running back, but he was a big body. Um, and then, and that's, you know, and he's got plenty of experience. He's played college for four years. He's graduated. He knows Mel, he, you know, he played for him and, and Jay and, and, Chris, you know, at uh, Colorado. So, yeah, I, I think you'll, it'll be interesting. I think, you know, Berger being the guy who's the leading Russian returning starter, I would say just, you know, my guess would be it would be between him and Carter as being probably the number one back, you know, you're every down and then they're going to mix in guys after that, you know, based on, you know, situation and stuff. So, um, yeah, we, I, we talked to Carter too, and he was, impressive young man and his outlook on things. So, um, very grounded, very mature, um, and, you know, obviously motivated. So, uh, in, uh another battle to watch, obviously quarterback running back, those two are, are going to be key in, in this offense moving forward. And, and the offensive line is 
you know, you bring back three full-time starters um, and he, uh, with uh, Duplain's at left guard, same Mac at center and Spencer Brown at right uh, tackle. And then Brandon Baldwin started five games at left tackle last season. Gino Vandemark um, played in, I think, 10 games with two starts at right guard last season. So he got some experience. Um, you bring in a Keyshawn Blackstock, who's a big, t- uh, was a four-star Juco guy. You know, he's got some experience. He's fighting for a spot. You know, he, he's been working at left tackle from what we've seen and heard. Um, and then uh, they they mixed up. Uh, we were at practice on Tuesday and I'm looking at the offensive line. They got, you know, calls for the ones. And I'm like, wait, why is J.D. Duplain got the ball in his hand? And why is Nick Samak to his left? So you had your your fifth year seniors, your returning, your veteran starters um, who have only played in those positions are all of a sudden are switched. So Samak was was playing uh, left guard and Duplain was playing center. So uh, Capello said, you know, it's part just experimenting, part building depth and, and seeing, trying to create the best five. So um, he thinks there are about eight guys right now he trusts in a playing rotation. And uh, they've obviously been helped by help being a lot healthier than they were last spring. <laughs> they just didn't have any bodies. Yeah. It's nice to at least have numbers that you could throw out there. Uh, although I did see, um, Redshirt freshman Gavin Brocious looks like he, as he posted on Twitter, looks like he might have had a knee injury or something. Yeah, uh, I mean, so we saw probably, him walking. I saw him walking around at practice on Tuesday with that with a very large brace and a couple of crutches. We're not supposed to report what these things are. You know, yeah, well, so, he put it on the internet. I, so. I know exactly. That's <laughs> he put it on himself. So, um, yeah. So that's uh, you know, we don't have any details on what that looks like, but obviously, uh, um. Looks like a knee surgery, clearly. So uh, who knows with him when, when he'll be healthy enough to get back. Yeah, and he probably wasn't a guy that we were looking at in the starting mix anyways. But obviously, you know, depth piece lost. And when it comes to Nathan Carter, man, any anyone who can gain 100 yards in a game while playing for UConn, I mean, that's... <laughs> That, that's a that's a that's a feat right there. So uh, you know, I actually I like his addition to the room. I think he's going to be a a solid upgrade. Uh, you know, I think Berger will still probably be the starter, but I do think Carter will be an upgrade over Broussard. Um, going to miss Elijah Collins. I lo- I just love the way that kid runs. But uh, uh, it looks like he's getting number one reps at Oklahoma State. So that's that's kind of fun. If he if he could get the 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 top position there at Oklahoma state, that'll be fun for him. And I know Michigan state fans will be rooting for him. Um, so yeah, obviously running game offensive line, that's going to be something to track. If Michigan state can't get the run game going to at least be serviceable, it's going to be hard for anyone who's playing quarterback. I mean, I don't know how many times we have to say it. If you look back through Michigan state successful years, they've almost always got some sort of running back that they can rely on. Um, so it really starts there for Michigan state. Receiver is a position that I don't really worry about for Michigan State. They always seem to have somebody there. Um, Jaden Reed is gone, going to the uh, NFL draft, uh, had a great combine, had a great uh, senior bowl, looks to be a day two selection at this point. He's really worked himself into that, but that means uh, Keon Coleman, Neon Keon, Mr. Hype Machine himself, uh, the zero, everyone's favorite, Keon Coleman, uh, is the undisputed number one in this offense now, although I'm still waiting for Trey Mosley to take that next step. I think he's the guy who's often forgotten you know, we talked about him a lot coming into next um, last year. I would say he had like a lot of the offense had a little bit of a disappointing season last year when it comes to Trey Mosley, but I think he's a very capable too. And then you've got some young guys, obviously, that you can throw in there as well. But it's going to start with Keon Coleman. He's going to be the undisputed number one target here and uh, getting rave reviews in practice, it seems like. Yeah, I mean, they're not not trying to really tamp down any of the hype, um, you know, you know, Jay Johnson was asked about it and he said, yeah, there are huge expectations. Everybody has that of Keon and, and he, 
you know, we know the deal and, and we expect a lot of him and, and he expects a lot of himself. And, you know, and we talked to Keon uh, too, and, you know, he's, he's a smart football player, you know, <laughs> I, I found it funny. It was a comment from Peyton Thorne late last season when he was talking about uh, Keon, you know, how smart a football player he was and how he talks to the opposing team um, about how, what they think. Of. So I, I asked him about that the other last week or whatever and said, yeah, you know, if, you know, if he runs a route and, you know, maybe he didn't, couldn't see what coverage it, you know, the the opposing team was in, he'll, he'll ask them. And then he'll be like, Oh, what'd you guys think of me? What are you saying in my, in the meetings about me? So I don't know. It's, it's interesting, but yeah, I mean, the skill sets there, he's got the size, he's got the athleticism. Um, he's got the work ethic. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he is uh, arguably, I don't know. I'd say the biggest, I think, what do you think the most expectations uh, in the offense, not on a quarterback are probably on him going into the year. I, I think um, he's just the best bet to be a first team, big 10 performer. That's what I would say. You I know, would say he's you're... also probably the best NFL offensive prospect they have on their team yeah. at this current time that you can tell. So yeah. And, and the, the catch is going to be now you've got all the attention. Now you don't have the all American lined up, you know, drawn defenses and and, and Jaden uh, Reed talked about that after his his pro day he was saying yeah I mean last year I was getting bracketed and Keon took advantage and guess what now that's going to come to him and he's going to have to adjust so um, we'll see what he can do when he, with more of a spotlight on him but um, yeah big things are expected of him uh, Trey Mosley you know he said he's got high, heavy expectations for himself this season you know he's a guy that's been just kind of there <laughs> i'd say under the radar like he's been yeah. really solid he's been a good receiver he's just never been like you know it was Jaden reed and you know he's never been like the focal point of 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 the offense but he's when they throw the ball at him he's been he's come up with big plays so yeah i mean i, mean, I think those two are your clear top two obviously and then after that it's you know montori, montori foster yeah. christian fitzpatrick both of whom were injured last season um antonio gates yeah and then you Tyrell got the henry. the young guys the uh jerome glover um tyrell henry um who i like what we saw out of out of henry last year although it was mostly in the return game and then um antonio gates jr who who didn't get on the field last season but um yeah they got they got the youth there and they got some some guys that are promising so i, I don't know i think I think they'll find that number three guy. I would lean towards Foster right now, I guess, is just being the guy with the most experience out of, out of the rest of them. Mm-hmm. And we've seen Foster flash too. He made that, yeah. he made that one-handed catch in the snow a couple yeah. of years ago against Penn state. I mean, I would say he's the leader in the clubhouse to be wide receiver three. Although I don't know how much wide receiver three is really going to be targeted. You would expect Malik Carr at tight end to be involved uh, running backs. And ideally Michigan state isn't chucking the ball all over the place. Cause they have some sort of running game. We'll see. Let's flip to the other side of the ball, Matt. Um, Defense was not great for Michigan State last year, uh, really all over the place. They dealt with a lot of injuries. The suspensions after the tunnel incident hit the defense really hard. Um, but, you know, you brought in some transfers here. You got um, an absolute stud on the, on, the, on the line there coming back with uh, Jacoby Winman, although he might be playing linebacker at this point with some of the transfers they brought in. But uh, defense is going to need to improve. They're going to need to be able to get more of a pass rush. And the secondary is probably the biggest question mark because they've got some positions to fill there. No more Henderson. Um, you know, Angelo Gross struggled at times last year and, and really lost his reps. So the door is wide open and they're going to need some young guys to step in there. Yeah. I mean, 
Yeah, the defense was not good last year. I think that's pretty obvious. You know, there were times where they looked like they were getting their their stuff together late in the season uh, moments. But, I mean, overall, the numbers are, are, what are they, 100th in total defense, uh, 101st in rushing D. I mean, giving up 178 yards per game on the ground, that's not Michigan State defense. I mean, that Indiana game. (laughs) <laughs> what, did, what did Indiana complete like one pass in regulation before sending it to overtime and they were a terrible running team and they ran all over them I mean just it was bad and granted at that point in the year they were really banged up and really shorthanded but still um you saw some stuff earlier in the year when they weren't as banged up um Minnesota just you know taking it to them and and yeah. anyways <laughs> a lot needs to improve uh I think they're I think they're they're, they should be strong at, at tackle. Um, even, you know, you lose Jacob Slade, but, you know, Simeon Barrow, Maverick Hansen, um, uh, Derek Harmon, um, Alex Van Sumeren, and then you bring in a couple of surefire D tackles, uh, grad transfer or transfers um, in, in Dre Butler from Liberty and uh, Jared Jackson from Florida State. And then Tumiche Adelaide, um, who is the most Hyped defensive uh, addition from the portal. This is a former four-star top 40 overall recruit. You know, he was, he had every offer you could pretty much ask for, was committed to Ohio State, went to Texas A&M, and it just didn't go as planned. You know, he he didn't play well taking a red shirt as a true freshman. He was a starter to begin last season, had a nice second game, and then was out the rest of the year with a, with a high ankle sprain. Um, We talked to him the other day and he, Said, you know, because he, he's listed at 6'4", 290. Uh, but you, if you look at his Texas A&M film, he was typically lining up on the edge um, based on everything I saw. So he said that his part of the appeal at Michigan State um, was position um, flexibility, versatility, whatever you want to call it, that he expects to line up all over the place. So that'll be something that'll be interesting to see. And, and you know, at defensive end, they bring back some guys, but no real true standout you know with Winman, I fully expect him to be a linebacker as a regular position you'll see him I'm sure still line up on the edge to mm-hmm. rush and third down but I would expect him to be a linebacker um and that so you got like your you know Zion Young who looked good at times as a true freshman last season you got um Brandon Chris Wright Bogle. Chris Bogle who we only saw for what th- three plus a little more than three games last season before he suffered the leg injury um Avery Dunn you got you got some guys in there but no real true standout so um yeah I would expect uh <laughs> Tumiche we we made sure we got him to pronounce his name yesterday Tumiche. a couple times to make sure we were getting it right um but yeah I would expect him to play a big role but you need more from you need more out of that defensive line um and then a linebacker I think they I mean that's a pretty deep position you know, Winman comes back. You got Cal Halliday back. You know, he's a two-year starter, led the team in tackles. Aaron Brulee's back for another year. Um, Manau Teote bringing a you know a four-star true freshman like Jordan Hall, who people are talking about pretty positively. So I think at linebacker they should be good. Um, as far as you know, you got a lot of experience there, and then the secondaries, <laughs> a crapshoot to say the least. I mean, we all saw what think- happened. You got to think Darius Snow is going back to safety, right? Or is he still at linebacker? He like the, who who else are they going to play at safety? I, I'm I, looking at a depth chart right now, and they've got Malik Spencer penciling as the strong safety. Oh yeah, like, that's that's who it, 
in the first scrimmage, it was Malik Spencer at strong safety and Jaden Magnum at free safety. Those were the ones Ooh. they told us. So that's um, a young secondary, man. Yeah, yeah, very young. <laughs> oh, Darius Snow, I, I don't know. Uh, he's still, you know, Mel gave his, he's bang, he's sore, you know, line uh, really? before, <laughs> before pre- spring practice. We've seen him. Um, can't say I've seen him in pads and any everything hitting people. Like, who knows? I, I don't, I can't imagine he's doing much the spring other than just trying to stay in shape and, and we'll see come fall if, you know, if, you know, he can bounce back and, and contribute, you know, after a very serious injury, but I would imagine, you know, who knows? I, I would just assume if, if they were all in on moving him to linebacker last year for his skill set, I, I don't know why you would back off that maybe out of a necessity um, because you do have such a young uh, secondary, especially at safety, but uh, it's, it's just too early to say, um, you know, what, what the outlook is for him without knowing where he's at physically. And, and we don't have a really good answer in that, but the secondary, yeah, I know you lose Xavier Henderson, you lose Kendall Brooks. Those were your, you know, your veteran safeties really. Um, and, you know, at corner, they weren't, they never really panned out like everybody hoped they would, you know, with, with uh, mere speed and Ronald Williams, the, you know, SEC transfers, but you know, those were veterans they played and, and they're gone, you know, they're out of eligibility. So <laughs> Like you said, uh, Jaden Mangum and, and Malik Spencer are apparently your, your, your number one safeties right now at this point in time, which is interesting. But we know Mangum flashed some good things last season as a true freshman, uh, you know, made a couple starts. He had that scary injury against Ohio State. Um, he's just focused on, on adding weight because he is still a little light. Um, and, uh, you know, Malik Spencer, we saw less of him than we did of Mangum, but, you know, maybe some positive things in there. Uh, just it would be interesting, I guess, if you if you went into the season and those were your clear starting safeties with no real veteran experience back there. Like you had mentioned Snow, who knows? Um, you know, Angelo Gross does have experience at safety. I can't say it was all <laughs> all positive. I mean, we His saw last year. tackling was brutal. Last we saw what year. happened last year. I mean, so maybe I would assume he's probably your front runner at nickel right now just because that's, you know, where if I'm remembering this correctly from – Seems like a million years ago, that's where he first got his start at Michigan State was nickel, um, even though I think he was recruited to corner, whatever. But yeah, I mean, that's that's your 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 veterans in the secondary really now are are are, are what? It's it's Chuck Brantley and <laughs> and uh and Angelo Gross. Uh you can you can add Marquis Lowry in there, but he's been banged up, you know, and never really he hasn't really gotten a full shot. But I you know, I'd say you know, it's Lowry, if he's healthy or one of the young guys, you know, you know, Dylan, Dylan Tatum, Tatum, you know, yeah. he's, he's now fully at corner. So, you know, and you, you know, you got your Caleb Coley's and guys like that, but you know, it is clearly going to be a young, younger secondary than it was a year ago. And it was not a good secondary last year. So, I mean, I think everybody's looking at um, week three, when Washington comes to town, I think from a fan perspective, and at least from my interest as a, you know, covering the team, what the hell is that going to look like? Um, Not Michael good Penix. <laughs> I mean, we saw what he's done. What was he played him three times now? I mean, I, I lose track. So, but we saw what happened most notably last year uh, at Washington, and it was it was not good. Now, the granted, you know, there was no Xavier Henderson, there was no Darius Snow. That was, you know, they had already been a little banged up at that point in time. But um, 
yeah, it, it's going to be interesting. And, and you have a you have a new uh, coach in the mix. Um, can't forget that Jim Salgado is the new cornerbacks coach. He filled the spot um, when when Brandon Jordan was hired by the mm-hmm. Seahawks. Um, so for the third time in what will be his fourth season, Mel has two of his on. 10 on-field assistants in secondary roles. You know, obviously Harlan Barnett's been there the whole time. And now you got Salgado with corners after uh, Mel coached them last year. The good news, I guess, if, if you're Michigan State and you're looking at these young guys that are playing or at least appear to have to play, most of them are at least are like four stars or really high three stars. So it's not like they're like project talents, you know, that are coming in. They're at least projected to be you know, pretty good players. I don't know if they want them in the fold this early, but they're at least, you know, according to the recruiting experts, they are higher level kids than maybe Michigan State has brought in. And Malik Spencer, I know he's just a three-star, but I watched his tape coming out of Georgia and he looks like a Mel guy. I mean, you can see why Mel likes him. Uh, He flies around. I I think he can kind of be a little diamond in the rough. Uh, I really like his tape. He looks like a Michigan State safety. So if he does get pressed into duty, it's not great, but you know, I at least think there is some 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 true upside there with these guys that are at least getting their feet wet here. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's wait. I well, you'll see more of this fall. You know, there, things could still change. Obviously, the the transfer portal is still there, and there's another window coming up. And then you know, grad transfers can obviously go in at any time. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're starting to see like they'll. I think you ideally you'll see them plug holes with the portal as needed, like Mel's talked about. But you really want to see the players that they brought in, the recruits that they've they've targeted. Um, you want to see them take those spots. You don't want to see third, you know, their third year guys that they recruited themselves bolting for the portal and then bringing in some some guy off a scrap heap. No, you know, I'm not trying to <laughs> disrespect any, but some guy just, you know, you want to see them develop the talent that they're recruiting. They came in with these ideas that, you know, specifically, you know, these size requirements, these measurables, these testing numbers, they need to meet this and this criteria. If those are the guys you targeted and those are the guys you landing, you're, you're expecting to see them be developed and, and, and that to pay off and then be key contributors, the star ranking stuff, you know, yeah, on paper, they have, they're getting more talented kids, but you know, I don't need to go into the whole diet tribe and, you know, bring up Le'Veon Bell and Darquise Denard and all these, all these under ranked guys that, that became great players. But um, that is how yeah. you have to do it at Michigan state. You're not going to be able to, I mean, you can get good recruits, but or good stuff in the transfer portal, but a lot of the guys you're getting in the transfer portal are guys that were maybe highly ranked coming out of high school, but haven't found their way at what some would say are better programs, you know, at Michigan state, you're going to have to find these guys that fit your system, develop them and make it happen. You know, that's what yeah. Antonio did so well. And Mel's going to have to do the same thing. Yeah. You're, you're just starting to see more of, I think you're going to, you know, the 20, his first recruiting class, you can basically throw out the window, you know, not that they didn't get anybody from it, but the circumstances um, but you're, you're expecting to see the guy, the groups after that start to pay off. All right. Last thing before we get out of here, uh, transfers, we were just sort of talking about them, but there's a lot of guys that Mel brought in here. I think a lot of them could end up in the two deep uh, just from me looking at it. You know, I don't know if you count Blackstock as a transfer, but I'm going to, cause he's coming from Juco. I would say him uh, to Mise, Adelaide and Nathan Carter, probably the three transfers we're watching to be the most significant contributors. Is there anyone else I'm missing here? <laughs> yes absolutely jonathan kim you need a kicker, kicker. Oh, you need sorry. a kicker and sorry. we saw we last year what happened when you don't have a reliable kicking game no um 
I hate to dig myself into another special teams corner, um, but I'll do it briefly. You need, a kick, you need a kicking game, and theirs was atrocious last season, and the top two options they had are now gone. So it's going to get really interesting. You got Jonathan Kim from – he's going to be – he isn't even with the team yet. He's going to be a grad transfer addition from North Carolina. I think he's attempted what? One career field goal. He hasn't made one. Uh, he's coming back with Steven Rusnak. Same situation. So they're going to – they're apparently going to go into the the fall with two kickers who have never made neither of whom has ever made a college field goal. If I am remembering that correctly. So now that I'm off of my special teams rant. Um, yeah. I mean, to I, you know, we've talked about him. I think he's going to be key Blackstock. I don't, I didn't consider him a transfer because even though he is a transfer with only two years left because he wasn't, he didn't have to sign the, or he had to sign national lot of them. I just separate the Juco kids. I had the Juco kids to the, recruits but either way he's different from them in that he obviously has two seasons of juco experience um uh chris Kapilovic the other day was saying when they got him he had some kind of injury stuff they needed to clean up you know coming in from from uh coffeeville community college and he thinks you know he's gonna have really take off towards the end of practice and have a big summer so yeah, I mean, he's clearly going to be in the two deep on the offensive line. It's just a matter of whether he's a starter or a backup, I think, you know, and depending on how they rotate those guys again this season. And then, you know, Carter, yeah, Carter and and, and Mangum in the backfield are going to be guys that are going to get carries. Those are um, those are two, those are some guys I'd look out for. And then Tyneal Hopper at tight end, they brought in three transfer tight ends. He's the one I think you're going to see the most of just because, you know, he's a, he's a grad transfer from Boise. He was productive. He's a good blocker, which – um, you know, obviously, uh, that's a priority for them. Um, so, and with, you know, you lose Tyler Hunt, um, you lose Daniel Barker. And so it's Malik Carr leading the way coming back. And, and you know, he expects more of himself this season. And, and we'll see. And, you know, he's, we all know he's needed to improve, improve in blocking. And I think that with blocking aspect is what Hopper, you know, really shines at, or, or at least it's something that makes him stand out a little bit more in his addition to being a, mm-hmm. you know, a solid pass catcher. But yeah, those are, the, those are the transfers I'd think of most of right now, as far as who they've got. Yeah. There's obviously others and we'll, we'll get into these position groups more and look at more of the depth and we'll obviously learn some stuff on, on the 15th, hopefully as well. And Matt will be at practice, but that's just kind of a, a quick overview of some of the things we're watching as spring practice progresses uh, the game practice showcase, um, you know, birthday party, whatever it is, is April 15th at Spartan Stadium. It'll be free for people to, to roll in there at two o'clock. Is that what, what time it is? Am I getting there? Right? Yeah, I think two o'clock with the uh, gates opening at 1230. Uh, I believe that's what it was. Um, cool. Yep. 2 p.m. April 15th. So we'll check that out. Uh, I'm not sure. We might skip. Uh, I mean, as we get into spring practice here, we'll still do some stuff. I'm not sure. We'll do a pod next week. Maybe if, if we get some basketball news, we'll, me and Kyle will jump on here. But if not, Matt and I will be back uh, sort of with our takeaways from the spring spring game practice uh, two weeks from now. Um, so we'll get into that. And, and obviously exciting here. Exciting times. Football season is around the corner. Uh, but it's nice to get a peek at these guys here um, as Michigan State looks to improve upon a disappointing season a year ago. So that's going to do it for today's episode of MLive's second uh, Spartan Confidential Podcast. Wenzel, I'm Brandon Champion. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. And go green.